0: Welcome to another installment of Historical Homicide. I'm your host, Christina Bentley, guiding you into the winding, treacherous paths of local murder history. Today, my question for you is this. What has been your favorite part of this podcast? That's right. Today is not a murder story. And if you'll allow me, I'll slip out of my storytelling voice and slip into something more casual my terrifying everyday voice. But not just yet. I like to build up a good story. So follow me into this wrap-up episode. I'll cover extra tidbits from episodes one through six, some details about my podcast origins, and creative process. And we'll discuss the future of historical homicide. The year is 2021, a time of social, economic, and political turbulence in the United States. But let's focus on the media and entertainment aspect, specifically Hulu streaming service. There's a new show entitled Only Murders in the Building. The advertisements fill my social media feeds and spark my interest. As I watch the show, I have a realization— If two old guys can figure out how to make a podcast, then why can't I? I have an interest in local history and, let's face it, a passion for the odd and unsettling. Murder, history, storytelling? This is what I was made for. This is my new ambition. This is my passion project. And that's where the real work began. I am completely self-taught on the technical aspect, and the research is more intense than I initially anticipated. But I love it. I've had so much help along the way, and I want to make it abundantly clear how grateful I am. The informational interviews with historians, the support in the local community, my family who critiques the episodes before they air, I am overwhelmed with gratitude. But enough about that. Let's get to the episode recaps. Season one focused on some of the homicide cases occurring in Chautauqua County, New York from 1870 to 1915. The first episode was actually the most recent in our timeline, occurring in 1915. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about episode one. Coin Flip was the first episode I ever recorded, and I was absolutely terrified. I chose George Kendall's story because it's getting lost. So many people in local law enforcement community only know George Kendall's name because it's associated with the police union and the annual police run. As I sat with Jamestown Police Department historian, R. Osterdahl, he gave me so many details and resources. This particular case is his baby, right? I mean, he's spent decades of research getting the account to be as accurate as possible. One of the things I found most interesting is that there's a film of the entire incident. When we think about it, that's not surprising considering Jamestown was an epicenter of entertainment and vaudeville theater. It's essentially a silent movie showing George being taken to the hospital, Fred threatening the crowd, and eventually Fred's demise. But that silent film is lost. No one knows what happened to it we've lost that little piece of history, which is really a shame. If anyone in the audience happens to know whatever happened to that film, if you found it in a relative's things, please let me know. Message me. I would be fascinated to know about it. All right, moving on to episode two, Desperation. Uh, I must confess, I was frustrated with this episode, okay? No one was clever. So William Bachman was not a smart con man. He's returning to a place where he's already conned people out of money, right? I mean, I mentioned that he left a sour taste in some local mouths. Uh, Let's see, Charles Marlowe. He really thought that burning a body on a hot August day was his only option? He wasn't discreet with his employee, Benkowski. He was messy. He didn't think his plan through at all. So I really found his ineptitude agitating. But what I did enjoy most was talking with Jamestown Police Department historian Steve Johnson. His in-depth research, counteracted by his humor and levity, truly kept me interested and on the storytelling path. Steve informed me that Charles Marlowe made at least three escape attempts after he was incarcerated going so far as to convince a fellow inmate to be rearrested once released and to bring him a file once he was jailed again. This plan fell through, as did all the others. All right, episode three, Control. For this episode, I did all of the research on my own. I didn't consult anyone else. So now this one is my baby. Emily's story is my favorite. It's got everything, right? I mean, it's got intrigue, adventure, love, lust, jealousy, heartbreak, and of course, murder. After Emily was killed and her body conveyed to the morgue, authorities needed someone to formally identify her body. So who do you think identified her? We have her employer, Mrs. Wilson, who she kept house for, the homeowner who she boarded with, missus Eckstad. I mean, her boyfriend, Frank Venner- Vennerholm. he certainly didn't identify her as he was the number one suspect in her murder. No, so she had no family close by. So the only person who could take on that heavy task was her pastor. Also, I don't know exactly how news of Emily's death reached Gustav, but he did come back to Jamestown alone for Emily's funeral. Okay, episode four, Unfinished. Were you guys shocked by how quickly I finished that episode? I mean, it's unfinished, right? But I really cut it off at the very tail end to really surprise you. I mean, every story up until now, we've had a conclusion. We've had a suspect. We've had a conviction until this story. Um Unfinished was difficult to write simply because there was so much information. Norman Carlson of the Busti Historical Society sent me so much. His lectures on the case, historical facts, etc. Parsing out the storytelling bits from the extraneous details was a challenge in and of itself. Essentially, for years, there were so many accusations thrown around. It seems like nearly every man with large feet in the area was accused at one point or another. There were men tried but acquitted, never enough evidence to find anyone guilty. I still think it was someone local who assumed the house would be empty due to the funeral. There is actually another murder story tied into this one. But I'm going to cover that one in Spoiler Alert Season 2. Also, the Bentley Cemetery that I mentioned in this episode, the one in Lakewood on Fairmount Avenue, that is actually not associated with the Bentley family that I am part of. Okay, episode five, insanity. That was heavy, right? That was a heavy episode. I was actually searching for details on a different case when I quite accidentally discovered a few newspaper articles on this one. This is another incident that I have researched solely on my own. I did take a few creative liberties with the conversations between characters, but the conversation between Isaac and his neighbor in the wee hours of that fateful January morning was authentic. I did not fabricate that. That's basically how it went. I mean, if I was that neighbor, I don't know if I would have gone with Isaac back to his house. Ugh. A lot of you listeners have questions about Isaac and Anna's family and what happened after Anna's death. And I hate to say it, but I, I don't have any answers. Um, if I do discover any new information, I will be sure to share it with you. I don't think I mentioned it in the episode, but Anna was not the only single unmarried sister that Isaac had. So Anna chose to go to school in Rochester because she had two single sisters living there already. I also wonder why Anna came all the way from Scotland to help Isaac when he had brothers and sisters living much closer. Maybe she was the only one who was willing. I, there's still a lot of questions with this with this episode. And that brings us to our last murder case for season one, episode six, Anger. I hope this episode angered you as much as it angered me. This is another case that I did based solely off my own research. It raised a lot of questions that we still ask today, like, why didn't she just leave? She did, right? Clara left, and look what happened. Squire still found a way to hurt her and those she loved. And what was his punishment? He stayed in an asylum for the rest of his days. But being a socialite with lots of connections and funds, I imagine it was a pretty cushy arrangement. He probably had his own separate wing and was allowed visitors. The only downside was not being able to leave the grounds. Some punishment. I'm still researching what happened to the other main characters, William Beaumont, now a widower, Clara and her baby, and Jane Rowbottom. How did they proceed after the death of their beloved Margaret? When I find out, I'll let you know. At the end of each episode, I like to reflect on the story and its theme, in hopes that we make better choices than some of those who came before us. It's important for us to view these incidents through the existential lens of what-ifs and what-would-you-dos. Simply put, if we're not learning from our history, then we are doomed to repeat it. I hope you've enjoyed this very first season of Historical Homicide. I'm just getting started, and I'm so thankful that you've bared with me through all of my first-time podcaster hiccups. Thank you, dear listeners. And also, a huge shout-out to my sponsors, The Aesthetic House, Brindle Barn, and Evolution Spin. I'm already lining up our sponsors for Season 2. So, if you're a local business in Chautauqua County, New York, and you'd like to be featured on Historical Homicide... Please message me on Instagram. Oh, and before I forget, I have a few special guests. Here are my two ghouls with a special message for you. Go ahead, Rosie. I forgot. You forgot? Can you say thank you to our listeners? Thank you for our listeners. Aw, thank you. All right, and Lily, didn't you have something you wanted to say? Yes, thank you for listening to Historical Homicide. Stay morbidly curious. <laughs> thank you, and keep your ears and eyes open for the season two release date, which will most likely be in early September. In the meantime, enjoy your summer activities, follow me on Instagram at Historical Homicide, and like Lily said, stay morbidly curious. <laughs>